Mother, do you think they'll drop the bomb? Pink Floyd. Mother? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Resistance Broadcast. I'm John. Thank you so much for joining us on this Thursday discussion show. Uh, You probably saw by the title, but a little hint there for audio purposes. Uh, We're talking about mothers in Star Wars today. Uh, More specifically, their role or impact in... uh, their kids' journeys, those characters' journeys in the Star Wars saga. You might remember last year, I think it was roughly around last summer, we did the impact that the role of fathers have on the journey to the dark side. Uh, Today, we're kind of just talking about the mother's impact uh, overall on uh, the characters' journeys in Star Wars. And, you know, we we don't pre-convene to talk about this, so we'll see where that conversation takes us per usual, but that'll be our Mm -hmm. main discussion uh, later on in the show. Uh, but before we get going here, John, Lacey, James, here with you in the resistance base. So first of all, uh, we're really glad to have you. If you're new to TRB, welcome. Um, and before we get going, just want to say hello to you two. How are you? James, you got a little uh, R2-D2 shirt on. Lacey has... Lacey, you look like... I was going to say, you look like you were a part of your chair for a second. I oh, am yeah. wearing the same color as my chair. I've mm-hmm. noticed that now, even with the yeah. like kind of like wash look. No, I'm wearing a Star yeah. Wars. You have shirt. a hunchback. It's like c- c- keeps coming up. <laughs> yeah, because the weird shape. <laughs> right. I we you and I have the same chair. Mm-hmm. Um, Someone pointed wearing... that out once on an episode, like being like, "Does Lacey, does Lacey and G- John have the same chair?" Yes, we do. We yes, do we do. Yeah. Fun fact. Um, but uh, James, what shirt is that? Is that uh I know it's R2 but is that it's uh yeah. It's, yeah. That I looks... I actually don't know like where how I got it but it's just a full front you know R2 and it looks like a hand, like a concept hand drawing or something like that. It is like kind a... of like a, a hand drawn. Yeah, that's cool. Sort of I'm wearing thing. our no moon shirt which is currently unavailable but who knows maybe it will make a return one day. Um but anyway, uh we have a really cool show here for you. Before we get going uh, just want to say, if if you love what we do here at TRB, uh, just, you know, you're listening to our three voices or you're seeing our three faces, what you get from us, uh, no matter whether it's this, the Mando Fan Show, all the other, you know, the one minute shorts we're doing, all the other mm-hmm. extra videos we put out on the YouTube channel, all the other extra podcast stuff, uh, all the stuff at the events, it's the three of us do it all. Uh, and your support allows us to do it and allows us to put the time in, put the effort in put the work in uh, because we do work really hard to, you know, make this show and everything we do as good as we possibly can uh, because we love it and we care about it. And also we know how much uh, you appreciate what we do. So uh, if you do love what we do, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, It's our real major source of support. Uh, Tears start at $2 a month. You can go, you can pause the episode now and check it out or after the show, but just know the link is patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash resistance broadcast and check it out. We have several tiers. Uh, They start at $2 a month. That's it. And immediately if you do that, boom, you get access to everything we do exclusive videos we put out exclusive mini episodes every week we do live broadcasts that are exclusive for patreon we have movie commentaries we're gonna be doing one i don't know if we'll do it before celebration but hopefully as soon as we can on revenge of the sith coming up soon which will also be a live stream first a lot of stuff we have a discord server i mean it goes on and on check it out for yourself and if you do feel like 
you know what? I want to support these three. Uh, we really appreciate it. Again, tiers start at $2 a month. Each tier you go up, you get more perks, benefits, rewards. We have mailings. I mean, boy, we could go on about that. But mm-hmm. uh, we want to make sure we say thank you in that way by creating this additional content for your support. And uh, you supporting us allows us to grow and keep doing what we're doing now. So from the three of us, thank you very much. Patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Um, so we're bringing back a segment. I'll let James tell you what it is. We haven't done it in a long time. So Mr. Bainey, what's going on, pal? The force is with me. And I'm one with the force. So it's really funny. Last week I said uh, we're doing Will of the Force and it's back. We have to do it every week. So I think that kind of got something in your head, John, because this week we're doing one with the force. We're switching it up. This one, truthfully, is back, baby, right? <laughs> uh, we have not done this one in a little while. Um, I don't know why we tend to do Will of the Force more often, but One with Force is so much fun because uh, it really makes you think, really makes you get down to that, like, if I had to choose, I would choose one of these three. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so we're going to get started here with this first one, which was, it, it might even be the toughest uh, of of the questions we've gotten in a while, uh, but let's start off with name one Jedi who never turned to the dark side that you think would be the easiest to turn to the dark side. So, John, you've had a little bit more time with this one. What do you, what, what are you thinking? What's your answer? I actually forgot to like, come, up with <laughs> come up with one, but I think I have an answer, and you guys are going to think it's a joke answer, but it's uh-huh. not. It is Kiadi Mundi. Uh-huh. I think if he stuck around long enough, he would have. I think he would have been jealous as he sees more people leapfrogging him in the pecking order. Uh, he's been around a long time. He still has the same chair. Uh, a lot of people have grown, you know, go, you know, become higher in the ranks. Anakin was probably going to pass him. Obi-Wan was going to pass him. Qui-Gon. And... He kind of defended Dooku a bit, which was out of line, in my opinion, because it turned out being incorrect. He said he's a political idealist, not a murderer. Well, guess what? He was a murderer. What do you think about that, Jack? So, Kiati Mundi's my pick. Uh, a little sketchy. I'm kind of glad he's he got taken down. Lacey. I'm going to pick Yaddle. Are you also going Kiato Mundi? No, <laughs> no I'm going to pick Yaddle. Oh. <laughs> because... Right she would get annoyed at all the attention Yoda gets. Like, why is Yoda the the guy everybody goes for? I don't get it. Like, I'm green too. I matter too. And then George Lucas hates her. So she hears that. She's like, what the hell? You're the one that created me and you hate me. So, Yaddle. Very meta. You're welcome. (laughs) Um... So I wasn't entirely positive on this one. So I went looking it up and I didn't see anything that said that this, this Jedi did in fact ever go to the dark side. So my answer is going to be Sifo Diaz. Sifo Diaz was a good kid who was kind of caught in, up in a lot of the stuff that was going on with the Jedi and he did, wasn't really sure he trusted it. So he kind of went behind their back to help protect the Jedi Order by setting up the clone army. And when that stuff started happening, Palpatine and the Sith kind of got word of what was going on and they they like took him out. Um, but I also think that he was very close, like if not the closest person, 
within the Jedi Order to Count Dooku, who d- it didn't take much to to push him in the direction of the dark side. And Count Dooku's arguments were always like, oh, you know, if Qui-Gon were still around, he'd be with me. He'd be on my side. I would have been able to convince him. So even more so than, than Qui-Gon, I think uh, Sifo-Dyas probably would have went with him on yes build the army do this the jedi don't know what they're talking about so i don't think sifo ever went to the dark side i think he was killed by the sith but i think he was and he was starting to turn anti-jedi mm-hmm. uh, anti-order so all right i'm gonna take i'm gonna take that one all right next question here we go if you had the power to guarantee that one of these legacy characters appears in a future Star Wars movie with Ray and Finn, etc., you know what I mean? Episode 10 kind of thing. Um, which one would you lock in? Here are the three choices. Chewbacca, R2-D2, or C-3PO. All right, Lacey, you're first on this one. Out of those three, who's the one? Probably Chewbacca, because Ray needs a co-pilot. And she can't fly the Falcon on her own. So I would say Chewbacca. All right. That's a good answer. All right. John, what are you thinking? Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. You guys <laughs> I've been watching, by the way, I've been watching uh, a lot of game show network lately during uh-huh. work. I've been getting back into like deal or no deal. Howie Mandel tweeted me and said he wanted to come back and do it. That was very exciting. Howie, come oh, on the podcast. My favorite game show, Gold Case. John won't get that reference. <laughs> it's that one. <laughs> yeah, it's that one. No. Uh, Megan Markle, I think, was on. Wasn't uh, she on Deal or No Deal? She was one of the case people. Maybe. But also, uh, I've been watching a lot of the old Family Feuds, the Steve Harvey ones. And, uh, it's, it's always oh. entertaining. Family can, Feud, can I... my buddy Ruben did the warm-up for that. He's He's the best. Can I also go off on a small tangent on Deal or No Deal? Mm. There's. Have you ever seen the arcade game Deal or No Deal? Uh, maybe. Yes, like, you, I love that. Yes, you, you have it, to get tickets. The box. Yes, yes. Okay, I went to the thing and I was watching it and I was like, okay, so they show you where it is and then they go like shuffle game. Yeah, they, they're doing the boxes right, and I was like, so it's obviously moving too fast. No one's going to be able to see it. However, I have. Uh, this iPhone that has slow motion. So I recorded it. You're such an... Oh, my God. Hold on. I recorded it, watched it back in slow motion, and followed the box. They're lying. The game was cheating. It's... Well, you you were cheating, and they got you. No, I understand, but, like, it, they make it seem like, you know, hey, we're going to mix them up, so keep your eye on it, but it does not matter. They're lying to you. They're putting it wait in a, a different D- box. Deal or No Deal never even did that. Why don't they just the show the game. 20... The video, know, video but why... game. But why, what's the point of doing that? Why not just say, here's the cases, pick one. Because it makes you feel like you have more of a chance than yeah. just oh. random cases. I yeah, think they change things from how they really are. It's a fun I game. Gosh, I always John, play it in the, arcade. It's just the arcade version of a game. How do you... <laughs> exactly. Just do do that. I know, the but there's probably thing. a reason they can't do that. So Because then you got people like James like, oh, I'm not really going to get him this time. No, I always get play that here. game if I'm in an arcade, the deal or no deal. John, who are you picking? <laughs> James goes, get out of here. That and the big fish wheel with the big lever. To get tickets. James has kicked James has kicked me out many times. Yeah. Um uh 
I don't know. I, Lacey has a good point with Chewie. Need Although a co-pilot. I, I, I figure once Ray and Poe get married, they would just pilot it together. Oh, um, my God. You just made quite the claim, Mr. Hoey, that you think. No, Poe's dying in episode 10. We all know that. Um, Plus, I'm pretty sure Ray's I'm... getting with Din Djarin, right? <laughs> Apparently, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ray Din. Until yeah. I say we're done. We're gonna her American panel. accent was crazy, by the way. I was like, is that her? It, it didn't is sound her. like her. Yeah. No, yeah, but it is her. Wait, you're yeah. saying uh, Raiden is their like couple name? That's uh, I named it, yeah. I'm going to do a panel at the next celebration. I don't think so. Is that Raiden? Raiden? It's my Raiden. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. Um, oh I'm going to go with R2-D2 because I feel like that's his closest opportunity to come back in live action where Chewie, I still think we can get some Han and Chewie stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, C-3PO, I, I love, uh, but I, for some reason, I feel like But the R2-D2, question was future Star Wars with Ray, Finn, etc., not Han Solo. No, but what I'm saying is <clears throat> Chewie I, will have an opportunity oh. to do stuff with Han so I can get mm-hmm. my Chewie that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But R R two, I feel like got a little bit of a raw deal in the sequel trilogy. We didn't get enough like R two being R two, mm-hmm. so I think uh, seeing him be back at it, you know, more of in, in the front and center, being kind of a, a wise wise guy, would be a lot of fun. Uh, so I'm gonna say R two. Um, I was gonna initially say R two as well, but I put too much on. I feel like it would hard to it would be hard to have R two and not see three PO like. You know, how do you have this live action movie and R2-D2's in it and for some reason C-3PO is just like not around? Like, I feel like it would be like a blaring, See, glaring omission. loophole, James. Loophole. Yeah. So. Because if you, if you lock in R2, you know they're going to bring in C-3PO. Oh, well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but my, so then I, I, that's why I'm choosing Chewbacca because I think like if you give me Chewbacca, then you know, that's fine and he can be around and he can be on these adventures and stuff and you don't necessarily have to explain what happened to the droid. So I'm going Chewbacca on that one. Although I am interested in Lando and Chewbacca adventures too. I kind of have a yeah, feeling that, would that be cool. they yes. hang out as well. So Chewbacca. <laughs> All right, next question is, <laughs> what is the one thing you are most excited about for Star Wars Celebration? John, you're first on this Only one, one thing? One thing. Um, I think the just the aspect of the conversation, just being with fellow fans and talking about Star Wars and um, being able to do it. You know, obviously we, we do it on the podcast, but just like seeing other people that you know and, uh, you know, sharing a beer with someone and just talking fun about Star Wars. Uh, like th- those are some of my best takeaways from our first celebration. So, you know, while I am excited about the big stuff, like the reveals and the panels and seeing, you know, actors and that sort of stuff, I think just like being with fellow fans and just being able to like let loose about this thing without um, being called like nerdy and everyone just understanding how much you love it. And Mm -hmm. uh, there's something about that in-person exchange you could have with somebody that's, not able to be replicated online where you could say like, yeah, you know what? I didn't like, you know, attack of the clones or something. They'd be like, Oh, that's, that's all right. Whereas online, it'd be like, Oh my God, you're the worst. So there's something really special about being able to, uh, converse with people in person at celebration. It's uh, a really 
fun aspect of being there. I like the conversation you can have with people about it. Mm-hmm. see. Again, this is a hard question for me because there are so many things I'm excited about, but probably um, just the meeting of other fans. Like, there's so many people um, and you guys that are listening and watching that we've discussed things online or you've talked to me in the comments. So just getting to meet you guys, it's been a crazy two years for a lot of people, for me too, um, with a lot of like ups and downs. So it's just nice to know that I'm finally going to be at an event with other fans where we get to like be face to face and enjoy being in a great event where the energy is like a positive thing and everyone's excited to be there. But yeah, probably like the meeting of other fans. Um, I think, yeah, we're all, all our answers are so very similar. They're all, they all have to do with like actually interaction with these people, you know? Cause we've been I, missing it for so long. Everyone's been so isolated for like two years. I think like when I was at, you know, when I was at celebration, I, there was that aspect of like, oh my gosh, on the stage right now, John Favreau, you know what I mean? <sighs> he's like a celebrity mm-hmm. and he's like really there. He's really in person. But I actually had more of an impact when I was walking around and having discussions with other Star Wars creators that I've seen that I've kind of followed. And I think because maybe there was some sort of connection there, like, or I'm sorry, disconnect between like John Favreau, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm a hundred feet away from him, you know what I mean? Or something like that. It's like, I'm not talking to him or something. But like, I found myself constantly pinching, like being like, oh my gosh, it's so-and-so from that website. Oh my gosh, that person, you know what I mean? I've watched a lot of their videos. It's so weird because every time I'm turning around, I'm seeing these people that are popping out of my computer or TV screen, you know? Mm -hmm, Um, And it's mm -hmm. not just the celebrities. It's like the people that I feel like I could walk up and actually have a conversation with. And I feel like that was very... um, I don't know. It like sticks in my head. It's like one of the takeaways from celebration. Like, I can't believe we were doing this and this and this with these people. Cause I don't know. In a lot of ways, like you don't even think they know you exist. And they're, they were thinking the same thing. Like, they're like, Oh my gosh, it's James from resistance broadcast. And I'm like, that's weird. You know, Mm -hmm. but it's like, we're, we're now we're meeting and we're talking and we're real people. We're not just watching each other's videos. So I think that there was something very special about that too. And I think that's going to carry over into like specifically our patrons and stuff, you know, like we've had so many conversations with some of these people, uh, in in our chats and, and, and other live videos and stuff we've done for Patreon that now seeing those people are just going to be the same thing. It's going to be like, oh my gosh, you're, how are you really here? You know? Yeah. So I think that's it. Um, let's, let's do this last one here before we get into the discussion. Uh, Star Wars is funny. We know that, right? But, uh, with Tech of the Clones, was weird. It, Star it's, Wars um, funny. let's call it funny. Yeah. No. Uh, with Attack of the Clones celebrating its 20th anniversary, what is the funniest moment from the movie itself. Lacey, you get to go first. What is your funniest moment in the movie? I stand by my, what What was the uh, countdown Kessler and we had? Like intent, unintentionally funny moments. Oh, sure. I stand by my pear floating, cutting fork scene. It's not romantic. It's just weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
And it's like weirdly funny because it's like a little too long. So I'm going to stand by that. All right. Yeah, that's a good one. John, what what do you have? Is yours kind of unintentionally funny or actually Um, funny for the sake of humor? I I don't know that it's like laugh out loud funny, but it's a it's like a very throwaway line that some people like gloss over and it's very earthy in that um Obi-Wan tells like asks to be patched into like the Jedi Masters and he says care of the old folks home. Uh I just think that's funny that it's Obi-Wan taking a dig at like the older Jedi and he says the old folks home. I just thought that's like <laughs> It just feels very like earthy to me, but I always thought that was pretty funny because I was trying to think of like something zanier. Like I, I think like really the funniest thing in in Attack of the Clones is this might be my real answer. Is Frank? <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, Frank. Like remember I said like this might have been on the countdown too, Lacey R. Kessel run, but like picturing Frank Oz in an ADR booth doing Yoda's like yeah <laughs> as he's fighting Dooku. That might be the funniest part of Attack of the Clones, knowing Frank Oz had to do that in a studio. Um, yeah, I too kind of had like a, an unintentionally funny moment, but I have a real one. Um, the unintentionally funny was just all the scenes from the the when they're in the meadow, because they're that turned into that meme where like Anakin's oh, yeah. like looking at Padme and they're doing the thing. And then she's so like, "Huh?" And now, like- kind of like unintentionally funny. That seems kind of funny. Um, but it, actually in the movie, like intended humor, I think the funniest line is when they're locking up Anakin in the Geonosis arena and he says, we came here to rescue you. And Obi-Wan looks at him and he goes, he looks up at his shackles and goes, good job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we came here to rescue you. And he's like, good job. <laughs> and then he, yeah, he gives him, he, he gives him a little bit of a scowl after he's like, really does. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I just love his delivery on that because it's so obvious. Like it cuts back to Anakin and he's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so meanwhile, inside, he's just like boiling with anger. He's yeah. like, I'm going to kill you. One and that's day. after Padme's <laughs> like, you're not a master. So that you're a Padawan learner. That, that's the most oh, yeah, awkward yeah. moment of the movie. That's, that's like a, the that's Scott's tots yeah. of Star Wars. <laughs> actually Anakin's not a master excuse me no excuse me he's like "Ah!" how much of the story would have changed if that was the moment when he just joked I I was gonna say (laughs) yeah imagine a Mustafar he's like who's a master now huh you like that oh god well uh, maybe I mean not the best moment but maybe a good place to end that is kind of talking about Padme, thinking about Padme as we move into our discussion. Uh, John, you want to take us into the next section? That's it for One with the Force. All right, yeah, our discussion this week, um, more of a, you know the serious side, but I'm sure there'll be some uh, lighthearted moments in this, but uh, we've done Fathers before, but now it's time uh, with Mother's Day uh, just around the corner. Uh, Star Wars, the mother's role in characters' journeys. <laughs> Obi-Wan once thought as you do. So, Star Wars often focuses heavily on the relationship between fathers and sons. You know, Vader and Luke, Han and Ben. Uh, Less direct versions like Qui-Gon and Anakin. uh, Even Owen and Luke, so to speak. 
But mothers play significant roles in the Star Wars saga, directly or indirectly influencing the makeup of some of our favorite characters and their journeys, for good and for bad. So let's talk about the mothers of Star Wars and the roles they play in character journeys. Um, I, I, I kind of just came up with this because I was I did think about you know the fact that Mother's Day is uh, in a few weeks. Um, you know, Lacey, you're a new mom. And just, uh, I feel like Star Wars usually always focuses on the father stuff, mainly because of the the big shadow cast by the whole Darth Vader thing. And that you mean they just murder the moms? They murder the moms, right? Um, but the, like, the, not many people discuss the relationship between the mothers and mm. their kids in Star Wars. So I thought that'd be a good thing for us to mm-hmm. dive into and see what we come up with. Obviously, you know, the one that kicks it all off from a story timeline perspective is Shmi Skywalker having being a, you know, a single parent, you know, uh, bearing and raising Anakin by herself. Um, not really being saddled with the burden of his turn to the dark side because he, you know, he loved her so much and she loved him so much. Um, but an example, and I'll just start it there and you know, we can take it to all the different, uh, versions and, and characters, but the fact that, you know, Shmi did everything right and everything she could do for Anakin within the means that she had. You know, they were slaves. She could only do so much for him. But uh, I like the fact that George Lucas didn't make it a situation where she was a part of what gave him anger. Uh, it was other... It was his his situation in life that sort of started giving him anger. Like, I'm a person. I'm not a slave. You know, and that wasn't Shami's fault. She did the best she could to to love this kid. And you saw the good in him come out through her teachings to him and 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 she was even looking at him uh almost inspired by like the things he would say and how he's trying to help Qui-Gon and all them and stuff like that and her saying like he can help you and she always believed in him so I think that's a good place to start because you know Anakin you know being the chosen one and Shmi not really understanding all of that she just thought she had this good boy um but she she saw something special in him but the fact that she did everything the right way and um I think all the good that we saw in Anakin came from her. Uh, so even though he turned to the dark side based on his environments and events that happened thereafter and the manipulation of Palpatine, I think Shmi um, was a definitely a big part of this whole prophecy thing. The pregnancy alone, obviously without a father being the chosen one, whatever, but also like she shaped him into being this good person and giving her everything that she was. Yeah, I think it's tough for me thinking about Shmi because she did everything she thought was right and then other variables and elements played into how Anakin ended up and I think it's heartbreaking in the sense of she sacrificed so much for him to to get to the Jedi training and to do like it's hard enough saying goodbye to your kid for the day you know like oh have a good day and it's like hard. Yeah. So I can't imagine being like, go off and live your life. I don't know if I'll ever see you again. Don't mm-hmm. turn around and look at me. Keep walking don't forward. Don't look back. Yeah. Like, Especially a kid that young. Yeah. It's it's a lot. And and I and it's so heartbreaking. And I think we're going to see this a lot in this conversation, John, where it's heartbreaking. Like these moms go through so much and sacrifice so much. Um, and like, I kind of joked at the beginning, but like, 
they either die or get murdered. Like every mom in Star Wars. Yeah. Within reason or like something terrible happens to them. Um, and it's just, it's tough. It's tough looking at Star Wars as a mom now when you're like, oh, let me look to see what kind of moms there are. And so like, I guess Hera would be the mom that probably is the most like, okay, she had a happy ending with her kid. And like, that's, she ended up in a good spot. But at the same time, lost the father. So it's not perfectly happy, but at least her and the child have a great relationship. It's not like giving up their kid for training or for some type of crazy psycho who's trying to kill them or yeah. giving well, up their I mean, own life force. We only know force. up to a certain age. With... Right. And that, that's probably why Mon Mothma didn't die because she wasn't Mom Mothma. <laughs> I actually even think like th- <laughs> it's I such can. a strong trope, Lacey, and I don't even, you know, I, I kind of wish um, that it, I would have had enough time to talk with uh, my old book discussions partner, Kyle, because <clears throat> he brought this up on a couple different books. Like, I don't understand why Star Wars always does does this to moms, you know? And it, that was like, him bringing it up was like the first time I'd really kind of considered how often it does happen in Star yeah. Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's pretty much to the point where like it's very hard to find a mom that doesn't have some sort of. Oh my god! I um, thought Jin's mom too. I forgot about her, Lyra. Yep. Yeah. Like the mom dies early and the child or the, uh, like the father, uh, like have to deal with that death, you know? Um, I mean, uh, I mean, we could sit here and name them, you know what I mean? Like it just, I think it it, on and on and on. Yeah. To me, consistently in star Wars, the mother represents love, like unconditional love, comfort, softness, like caring, and a lot of these kids, their mom dies and they lose that relationship, that element of the parental child thing of like, un, <clears throat> like no questions asked. I love you no matter what. I'm going to support you. I'm here for you. And then the kids left to pick up the pieces and figure it out on their own. I think oftentimes that's what we see with characters like Luke, Jin, Ray. So when you look at the mom character, you're like, you can't help but feel a little sad or like the tragedy of it where they don't have that figure in their life to, to support yeah. them. And you can't help but wonder how the character would change if they did have that support. Whereas at the same time, though, you see someone like a Ben Solo who had a mother like that, or maybe not even, eh, I guess I changed my thought as I'm saying it. Leia maybe wasn't the most comforting, loving, right. supporting mother. And he went a different direction, whereas that's what he needed again, and she I, didn't I, give it to him in the way that she wanted to. Yeah, I was going to mention too. between me and and Leia. I'll get into that in a minute, James. Go ahead. I was just going to mention too that I I don't I think there is canon reference to Hera also kind of off putting her son as well when mm. when the when war, the wars, more the war putting the war in, yeah. when it's still happening and stuff because i think like i think when we see the end of rebels that's like oh the war is over and like everything's happy but like during that period where kanan's not around and ezra's gone and sabine and ahsoka are probably missing too you know it's like or actually i don't know where they're at at this time but it doesn't really matter the point is like i think there is canon stories where she's like she has kind of left him and is is abandoning him emotionally as well. So it's like right. yeah. even that stuff is going on. I would think like 
from like because I have a little bit of the book background, the canon book stories. I'd say like the most opposite story we've gotten so far, where like the dad died and there there was like the mom raising the child and that relationship would probably oh. be no. Well, I mean maybe, but I was gonna say uh, Nora Wexley. Mm. Um having lost her husband and then now is trying to raise Snap, mm-hmm. you know, to be um a good person, but she's off fighting the war and he's like becoming his own into his an adulthood. And as you watch their relationship go through the three books and how uh Wedge gets brought in as like this secondary father figure and stuff, uh-huh. um it it is such a good story um that is so different from Star Wars because the mother is at the core of the the story there trying to raise mm-hmm. the kid and trying to mm-hmm. understand and and be there for the kid. I think Hera's story is similar to that, but we just haven't really seen it yet. Um, right. But the- those those aftermath books are basically like that's the center of the story is Nora Wexley and her son being kind of like involved in her life and, and sort of not being involved. So I'd say if you're interested in, in that type of story, the motherly story, that's probably the best example I can think of right now in canon Star Wars. <clears throat> right. And the, you know, the lay thing's tricky because, um, you know, when I said the parallels between her and Shmi, and then you think about the fact that, you know, Shmi is her grandmother and, you know, Shmi let Anakin go and be with the Jedi, and she thought that was the best thing for him. And like we were saying, it's, I can't even imagine letting my kid go off to somebody else. And um, so you, you're having faith in your kid just as much as you're having faith in the person you're putting your kid in, in uh, their their uh, watch over. Their well-being, so, yeah. Uh, but, but Leia doing the same thing, but to a lesser degree, because she's sending Ben off to be with her brother. Mm-hmm. So it's it it's probably a, maybe an easier uh, move, but at the same time, like it's that whole hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, what if she didn't? You know, you know, would right. would his powers still have been too much for him, and he would have had to have, you know figured that out somewhere? So she's probably like, who better than my brother? Uh, so ultimately, you have to say she made the right choice um, because his connection with the force was was inherent and it was there and something had to happen with it so it was either not not do anything and let something someone else grab hold of him first or you know who knows what what takes hold of him with those powers and you know you know we saw ray having a hard time uh trying to understand her powers before she got to luke too um so no mother the fact or that father. Le- yeah right and, and so the fact that you know, people say, "Oh, I can't believe you know Leia let him go and and that sort of thing." Like that, that's a tough, that's a tough thing. I like, I don't blame Leia for that. And like, you see Han and Leia talk about it uh, in the Force Awakens, and you see that they're both sort of grieving as to what happened. You know, we lost our son, and they're blaming each other for it. And they said, you know, we did the best we could. We went back to the only thing we knew. And um, but I don't blame Leia for for what happened to to Ben Solo. I I think I don't think anybody um, really does, but. Yeah, yeah, but you you can see how it's it's that thing like well you you let your son go and you just you you just base believe that just because Luke Skywalker was Luke Skywalker that everything was going to turn out okay and it, you know it didn't. But I see in, in other words I'm saying there's parallels there between her and Shmi because they both let their kids go. Um but it was an easier choice 
in my opinion, for Leia to do it because it was Luke Skywalker versus me saying, I don't know who these guys are. I, if I've heard that the Jedi are good, um, I don't want him to be a slave. Make a better life for him because he's always dreamed about doing these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she, like, it was almost like the, you know, you, you you release, you know, you have your kid on the on the the training wheels come off the bike and you let go of the bike for the first time. That's like what Shmi's doing. Where whereas Leia, it just felt like we got to do something because we know the history here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to hope that Luke's gonna take care of it. So there I are wonder parallels, if we're going to get that different. story of what happened that drove her to be like, you know what? You're going to Uncle Luke's. Because um, there had to be do- some incident where something happened or. Well, don't forget, she was training with Luke and she yeah. stopped because she had a vision that if she kept doing it, she would lose her son. Is that, oh, yeah. is that correct? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So there are some there are some things that you could begin to piece together what that might have looked like is she already had much so much love for her son that she was like gonna back away from the training. But then if and not her, then maybe he should do the training. I think that you know, I we don't know, mm-hmm. but like I'm saying mm-hmm. there there could be something to that story of like she and- stopped and then why did she let him Continue. Right. right. Yeah. So, so Leia, like, I like that they bring that stuff up because you can see that she did everything she could to try to make the right decision. And even when you, you know, as a parent, I know, like, the, I do things like if I get mad at my son, I'm like, why, why did I just do that? Or, you know, you're always, or why did I, why do I worry about him getting hurt so much? And, you know, you're always trying to do the right thing. And you're like, don't touch that. And then what do they do? They touch it. You know, <laughs> don't touch that thing. Oh, I want to go touch that thing. You're always trying to do the best you can because you want to, you know, make your kids safe and make sure they're okay and uh, help them learn and grow and all that stuff. And parenting is tough and you're you're going to make mistakes. And But I like that they showed us that Leia was trying to at least do the best she could for him. And that's a great example, James, in terms of her giving up that aspect of things because of that sort of vision or, or dream she had. Um, but then, you know, there's mothers who didn't get to um fully be be mothers and like you know padme for example and she was for uh without question a mother because she was carry carry those twins and throughout that whole time protected them we're talking about a very war-torn time she's a a, a high price target so to speak uh, a big name she could have been killed many times uh during all of that was what was happening uh with the fall of the uh, old Republic or fall of the Republic at the time. Uh, so like th- that, like, I don't think like, I know that they have, um, I-, I haven't read the Padme novels. I don't know if they touch on the aspect of, you know, more of her during the time where she was pregnant with the twins, but you know, even just in revenge of the Sith alone, just her, uh, trying to keep things together and understanding that her realizing she's losing Anakin, no matter what she does. And she her her desperation to try to like get him to, to, stay and 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 realize you know his good natured side and as she's you know bringing this one baby into the world that she thought at the time wound up being two um but that you know that has to be like an insane thing to do in you know this fic- it's a fictitious story but you're in the middle of this war you're you're a main focal point of it and you're pregnant but no one's supposed to know that you are and you know, like that like I don't think people like give Padme credit for that aspect of things. They focus on like 
her with Anakin more so, but the yeah. fact that she was protecting the, her unborn child while at the same time, no one's supposed to know that it's Anakin's like, that's just like the burden that was on Padme through all of that, that they didn't really focus too much on uh, is, is just wild. And I think, you know, when people think of mothers, they always think of, you know, once the kid's born and you're, you're raising them, but you know, you're, you're protecting as Lacey, you could touch on, you're protecting this baby in your womb. Right. So that's your mother from that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, sorry. It's just weird for you to say your womb. Um, your womb. It was just weird. Anyway. Uh, the Padme thing for me though, kind of irks me and it always has. And it has, it, it does even more now. And I feel like I'm, people are going to get annoyed, with me, but it is what it is. I'm in a different perspective now than I was, you know, a year ago. Um, I think that the thing that bothers me about Padme is she has this relationship with Anakin, which in the movies, it is just weird. I don't know if they explain it better in the books or like in the Padme books, they do a better job at that complicated relationship. But in the movies, especially Tech of the Clones. Yeah, maybe the Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah. Good good point. Um, But in the movies, when you look at the movies, I don't think the chemistry is there and I don't think it's really portrayed that well. I think it's better maybe in Revenge of the Sith than Attack of the Clones. But with the pregnancy thing, they're clearly so happy and she's so excited. And she there are like several moments where she even says to Obi-Wan like she's making the choice for her children. But then at the end of the movie, she dies from, quote, a broken heart and a loss to lit like she doesn't want to live anymore and look everybody has their own journey and their own trauma and everything to deal with but if you're going above and beyond to take care of your kids like john just said and and, you know there's that art that everybody always brings up of padme with the twins on her back she's holding knives or whatever it is like the concept art why would she then once the kids are born be like i'm out like, that to me bothers me, and it always has, like, for forever has bothered me, and even more bothers me, because as someone who just had a baby, I could never imagine holding or looking at my baby and saying, they're not enough. And I think that's what bothers me about Padme, is that not only did she have one baby, she had two babies, and, like, the fact that she looked at them and was like, no, but what about Anakin? And I'm like, who cares about Anakin? <laughs> I'm sorry. Bad, bad dude. You know? Like, what? I'm sorry. If I was in her position, like, who cares? Take the two kids, get away. Like, go somewhere else. Like, these kids need their mom. Like, every baby yeah. animal needs their mom. So the have fact ever... that she's just kind of like, oh, but Anakin. And I'm like, shut up. He doesn't matter at this point. He's out of the picture. Like, all that matters is the kid. And, you know, I'm sure you guys feel the same way. It's like. Ryan Reynolds made a joke about Blake Lively about how he's like, look, I adore my wife, but if something ever happened to my kids, I'd use her as a bullet shield, like, to protect Mm -hmm. them. It's the same thing. Like, once you have a kid, it's different. It's just different. And And they come before anything else. And even if that's your husband, your wife, your partner, whatever that is, your kid comes first. And you make that choice when you have a kid. So it just, it boggles my mind. That she had these twins and we're like, I'm, I'm good. Nah, dog. Like, I'm out. And, like, dies. Because these two babies are, like, these adorable babies that need their mom. 
and then they end up separating the babies. It's like, once again, we go back to that tragedy of the mothers in Star Wars that they just get treated so terribly. And then, of course, we have the Rise of Skywalker where Rey's mom gets stabbed. Like, it's just, it's so crazy. The well, our dad that- got stabbed, too. They both got, yeah. Yes, yeah. of course, of course. But I think there is a different emotion attached to a mother being stabbed in the stomach than a father being stabbed. Like, there's a different imagery and or feeling emotion that's tied to those things. Well, I think that goes back to, like, you tend to think of the mother as, like, the innocent or the loving aspect of the relationship. So I think innocent being the key word there is, like, I think you said in Star Wars, mothers are, and again, I go back to And in that relationship, because she wasn't related to Palpatine. Yeah. I, I just tend to think, like, sometimes Star Wars pulls from just storytelling elements that are just mm-hmm. true of our humanity at different states where we're at, you know, how we understand mothers and things. So I think that when you're talking about that type of storytelling being like, oh, what's the most tragic thing we could have happen? Could it be killing this character's father? Oh, killing his character's mother. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and maybe the more tragic thing would be having both parents killed but wouldn't it be more dramatic if one of them lived? You know what I mean? And so, like, I think, like, they're always kind of pulling from the same same strings of, like, what is the worst thing that could happen? And, and in that case, they end up falling into a lot of the same tropes, you know? But um, at the same time, Rogue One is different because the mom is the tougher character and the dad is the more caring, emotional, connecting character with Jin over the My stardust. Right. Put- so you have that father-daughter relationship is the f- is the focus of that kind of emotional, loving, like cuddly. I say, like you know, like that that emotion that you associate with that parent. Like they focus that on the on the father rather than the mother. So it's interesting Possibly. you say that, James. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I because she's could always see- in the background watching. She's. She's the one that's like run Jin. Like she's always like thinking of like, hey, we need to get into action. Whereas the dad is like the memories she has. This is Jin's obviously perspective. Memories uh-huh. she has of her father are more like the intimate moments that she has with him. When I think of Lyra, though, I think mm-hmm. they play yeah. into the trope of like the emotional woman. Sure. She's reacting to the moment and not thinking it through, which is not, not necessarily yeah, yeah. a good stereotype. But I think that when she's she's fighting emotionally, it ends up getting her killed. And so what Galen learns from that or has always learned from that is the more stereotypical father, bury your feelings, you know, don't show emotion. Don't pretend that you don't care about your daughter. Pretend that you don't care about your family. You're all empire now. So he plays into that role. Mm-hmm. I think when they, what's revealing about the moment when she's watching the hologram is that is him showcasing that that was a front, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, and I don't want to get into that fatherly relationship there, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I think like they're, they're, building up the like emotional mother and bury all your feelings father um <clears throat> but but that he doesn't want to be that he wants to be a good father you know kind of thing so i think mm-hmm. that's what was so touching about that moment side note i think that's one of the most emotional moments in all of star wars 
I think oh, the music, monologue? yeah, the music and the way they're panning in and her reaction to it and everything. Um, I just think all of it hits every time. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I agree. Um, so what do you guys think about Padme, though? Do you think it's kind of a cop out that she's just like, I'm dying? Because um, I just feel like who would who would give up on their kids, I guess, especially ones that are just there. Yeah, hearing it from that perspective is definitely interesting. And I, I think that part of me has always kind of put a little bit of Padme in the sense of like, it's a tragedy that she is so addicted to this person. Oh, Anakin, yeah. Almost like if Anakin was a drug, like if, if he was heroin or something like that, and it has like, she's lost control and she can't even see what it was mm-hmm. really important. Um, because she's so in love and so emotionally attached to this person that it kills her. Um, and it's like, what? Like, what? I have get, another... get over it, you know, <clears throat> kind of thing. That's It just sucks. She's such a good person, and yet she's stuck on this person who's clearly bad, you know? I don't think that's, is... that's the whole picture. I'm just saying that's somehow kind of how I cope with that oh, scenario yeah. of, like, why but... she dies of a broken heart. So we talk about her... Just d- total all everything I have is completely devoted to him, and we we all know that that's a very dangerous thing because you know if they were a normal couple and he died, then what is her identity? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Mm-hmm. It was all that per- that other person. So it's always a dangerous thing to do that, even in, even if you love someone more than anything in the world. Um, but the flip side of that. Anakin went to the turn to the dark side because he was obsessed with Padme and obsessed with her not dying and all that stuff. If she survived and ha- had her kids, she would have had to have given them up anyway because then you would have had this monster, Anakin, who's now this Darth Vader, and th- those kids would have been in danger. You don't I think, think she would have gotten away with death. them? Yeah. yeah, I think she would have done something. But I'm something. saying either either way, like, so I guess my point is I'm looking at it from a sort of, I hate to say like sacrifice, but she uh, maybe in her heart knew these kids can't be with me. Um, I'm not saying she like, she didn't like kill herself or anything, but mm-hmm. she just like sort well, of gave up. Yeah. And, but knowing that these kids will never be safe if they're with me. Hmm. because he's so obsessed with me and everything that comes together with, you know, obviously what she doesn't understand is the fact that, you know, Palpatine knowing any offspring of Anakin would be a threat to him. All, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. There was no way out. Uh, so no, there was no way for her to happily be with her kids, her kid. And then she found out her kids before she passed. So to me, to save Padme as a character, um, I try to see it as she knew there was no way that she could have been with those kids and she she would rather die than not be with them. Mm. I don't um, know. I still think she's is dark, just kind Which is dark as all hell, but, you know. I yeah. just still think she's just kind of, I don't know. It's just, I think it's overall, really hard for I'm, me I'm to believe. I'm with you, Lacey. Like, yeah, I think that, that she'd just I, be like, no. I think like me and, me and John, and maybe I'm speaking for him too, are, are trying to you know, make sense. Cope it, yeah. with the story and try to make. Well, because like, Padme I think is that's not a weak what's... character. Well, so that's what I'm not... saying. Is like, so yeah. how yeah. did 
And this is just like, I guess, my problems with Padme as a whole. This isn't necessarily this one thing. It's just like, how did she go from being a strong character to being like, okay, I'll date this teenager. <laughs> like, yeah. how did she go from that to that? How did she go from that to like giving up her kids? Because I feel like, to me, she's such a strong character that it's against her character that she gave up the kids. But then obviously, what do I know? It's not my character to make that mm-hmm. judgment. Well, call, let but... me look. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to be celebrating the 20th anniversary of attack of the clones but mm-hmm. celebration but mm-hmm. um lucas didn't do the greatest job of selling that romance to us let's be honest so yeah. I, I guess mean, also again i just keep coming back to it's like a big circle i keep coming back to like why do these moms keep dying <laughs> like why well sure and keep... it it's it's it, and it's not just the mom you know mom is like the term but like you know baru was luke's mom yeah. Uh, Brea was Leia's mom, and they both died too. I mean, Brea, we don't see her die. It's it's that that one giant blast from the Death Star. Um, but you know, Baru, we don't see her die either. But we know what happened exactly what happened to her, like mm-hmm. on a, on a um, very like close level. And that, mm-hmm. like you're right, like that's that's brutal. But the, the one thing I guess I don't really know enough about, and I don't know if they may have done this in comics, and you know, I, I would I prefer to see it. Um, on like live action or or even animation if, if necessary but and I don't think we're going to get this in Kenobi unless they're going to give us a lot of Luke but I want to see Baru's more of Baru's uh, personality and, and how she, like Luke took on traits from her she um, is more because, understanding with him she's like give him a break like he wants to see his friends blah 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 Luke's like, just not like, a farmer Owen yeah like she knew Luke better than Owen did Mm-hmm. you know and and so i don't know if like do you, like i, I almost kind of want to see more from bonnie pieces baru in the kenobi series for that reason it looks like they're leaning heavily on owen uh i hope it's not one of those like in the prequels where she's just like carrying towels and says nothing like yeah. i want to see i want to see her say like putting vegetables you know, into a thing yeah or, or like, uh, just give me one scene where Owen tells Luke he has to do something with like evaporator, and she just goes to Luke like, "Go race your ship, go chase the stars," or like something like that. Like I, mm-hmm. like in other words, like I know what you really are, yeah, the are, two, are two, meant to do. Two forms of parenting. There, that would yeah, be that beautiful, and the only um, thing, you need to spend a minute on it, and that'd be amazing to see Baru have a moment with Luke like that. I was mm-hmm. thinking too, like one of the weirdest disconnects in Star Wars that's like so obvious, but I I tend to kind of forget often, is that Padme is Luke and Leia's mom, like mm-hmm. because there's such a strong disconnect between like we didn't have any of that prequel information when we saw the original trilogy, and when we did see them, they were like children, and there's a big gap there. And I'm kind of hoping in Kenobi that there is a little bit of this connect between a child, Luke, who's, you know, young, and we can kind of see him being raised a little bit more than like, you know, older teenage, almost adult Luke, but like actual more of like a kid. And then Kenobi being from the prequels and his relationship with Padme you know, kind sure. of crossing over. Sure. I, I, I hope that that, and then Leia, you know, if Leia's in the series as well, like it's one of those things like I, I'm, I'm, I want to, I want to be able to connect these children to their mom 
because I, mm-hmm. I I forget often that they aren't just like random orphans. You know, it's like I right. know the story obviously, but sometimes I just kind of forget that relationship there. It almost feels like it would have been. I know Leia's talked about her mother and stuff in Return of the Jedi, but like, um, but it almost would have been really cool to see old older sequel trilogy Leia and like a photo of like a royal Padme mm-hmm. of some sort and she could tell Ray about her mother or something. Right. Because it yeah. would have pieced together like like call back to the prequels like, you know, I never met my mother, but you know, she was a great person and you can be great too or something, you know, and it would be right. like that's right. That's her mom. You know what I mean? And like actually really putting those two connecting. Cause the thing in return of the Jedi, it like, doesn't, it doesn't feel like they're talking about Padme at all. Right. Well, cause they kind of weren't, they weren't. Yeah. yeah I know. But... It feels like they're talking about mm-hmm. a nurse at like some right. uh, orphan home who said they was, that was her mother for a while yeah. or something. Well, and yeah. Any memory Leia has due to, continuity has to be via a dream or you know a vision or something Feeling, because yeah. or, or a photo literally she's, minutes old when she died so, yeah I mean, the, in the leia comic she stands in front of a giant poster on naboo of queen amidala oh that's right yeah yeah I you and about she that. has her clothes yeah she's she's aware that her mother was the queen of naboo but it's like and doesn't leia yeah. go to naboo in the story of battlefront or something like that she yeah she does go there she and she also does yeah. like in the comics like I said in Battlefront boy that's another one I Iden Versio her mm-hmm. father is the person that leads the command to blow up their home planet right. while their mom is on the planet like yeah. he basically murders her yeah. and I when Iden Versio finds out about it that's like the moment she flips and she's like. You were part of this? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, you know, and she mm-hmm. she turns to the rebellion. So, you know, he, here's one thing we're not sure about that that there's like a a really quick line in Solo was with Lando saying his mother was the most amazing woman he ever knew. Oh, yeah. Right. And it's such now, a throwaway, yeah. Nice. Th- now he, he said the most amazing woman I've ever known like we don't it's a uh, like do we know if his mother's alive or dead and could we see his mother in the lando series maybe a little mom redemption in star mm-hmm. wars here <laughs> like wow i don't know i know we talked about leia i i want to mention this really quick but something we really didn't talk about is uh we talked about obviously ben leaving and turning to the dark side but we didn't really talk about him coming back and that's a big big moment in the rise of skywalker sure. especially when she sacrifices her life for him like, that's such a big moment. And I thought, you know, I think... For both all, of them. Yeah, and I think all three of us agree that that was the perfect way they could have handled the whole Carrie situation slash Leia situation. Oh, of, my God. Unbelievable. Yeah, just handling the character in the best way possible. And making the ultimate sacrifice for her son was such a beautiful way to end that character. Um, because And her daughter she in would that respect, because she saw Rey as a daughter in a way. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> but she didn't really protect Ray. She was saving Ben from Ray. I think no, the way that. She was stopping Ben from killing Ray. He was about to kill her. Oh, yeah. You're right. You're right. I'm thinking of it a little backwards. He yeah, was like this. Right. And Ray's like, oh, God, I'm dead. 
and then she it, like calls out it's, to him. Right, right. It's interesting how they handled that. They gave so much um, redemption to the mother and the father when it comes to Ben Solo, despite the fact that its storyline, the father was dead, and in real life, the mother was dead. The actor was dead. Right. So it's like, what are we going to do with this story? And it's like, who saved Ben Solo? Was it the was it the mother who you know g- gave every bit of her energy to to stop or him the and memory say no, of the stop father. this? Yeah. Or was it the memory of the father who finally made the the moment for him to switch? So it's both. like both. I know that's what's so good about the storytelling. I'm looking at you, people who don't like the sequel trilogy. <laughs> like it's amazing <laughs> that they handled that that way. You know? Yeah. That is it's a powerful. Both. I'm glad you brought they that up, Lacey. Because. Yeah, that is such a powerful moment when she like because it contradicts his name the and... hey she sent him away. It's okay she sent him away, but then she t- did the ultimate thing, and and to like bring him back. before before that moment happens, we see her walk off away from the group, mm-hmm. and people are like you know you know Beaumont Kins like where 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 the hell is she going? And this is and... after he tried to kill her in the previous movie. Yeah, he didn't really, and, and... Kill, but he tried to. Yeah, she she reached out to him, and then it. then what I love at the very <laughs> end, <was> right there, <laughs> <clears throat> and like she dies, but she hangs on until he goes. So mm-hmm. and then he disappears, and then she disappears. I think that was another really cool choice that they because made. she didn't want to leave him again. It or, or it was almost like she needed to show him how. Like he he disappeared and and then she did right after him sort of thing. I like saw it more like of were... like she didn't leave him again. She didn't leave him behind like she did at Luke's. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it too. I think there's several ways to look at it, but they handled it really well, and uh, it's a great point to to bring up and a great closure for for those two and that family, and then you know the the carry on of that to. Uh, you know, Ray as sort of the adopted daughter in a sense. And like, she called her master and she helped, you know, raise her in, in the force in, in, in that regard. And, you know, Han was sort of like her father and, and Leia was sort of like uh, Luke as well. But then Leia was really her, the only mother she really ever had. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure they'll tell more of that story and that year gap. I'm sure we'll get comics on that or something like that to really mm-hmm. enrich that that relationship. But, you know, when they're hugging and, and Leia says, never, you know, don't be afraid of who you are, well knowing what her li- li- lineage was. Um, that's a powerful thing, too, because she's letting her go the way, you know, Shmi let Anakin go and the way Leia let Ben go. She's letting Rey go off and, and do what she needs to do, trusting her, even though she knows her bloodline mm-hmm. uh, and saying still at the same time, never be afraid of who you are. Right. I think it's really powerful. And then uh, saving her, while at the same time saving her son's soul. And then uh, you see, you know, Ray, you know, a lot of people don't like it saying, you know, I'm a Skywalker, but, you know, and there's Leia watching her and giving her that sort of approval. And that we talked about in the found family thing. Um, so th- there's a lot of, there's a lot more examples we can get into. And I know mm-hmm. we're pretty close up on time here, but do you guys have any other things you want to, to throw out here to close out? Um, or are you guys uh, ready to say, we'll revisit this because obviously there's more probably to talk about. And there's, you know, we're going to meet more mothers in Star Wars and we're going to be on more characters to talk about. Uh, but uh, I, th- I think I always feel I like with these are... discussions, we could go longer. But yeah, you know, 
I think there are three mothers that we really haven't talked about that are very important in Star Wars, and that would be number one, Mother Talson. I knew you were gonna. I I knew you were gonna say Mother Talson because I wanted to say Mother Talson. All right, uh, Frog Lady. <laughs> oh, Frog Lady! Frog lady. I forgot about her. And yeah. the non-existent mother from the Mortis arc. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's yeah. a son, a daughter, a father, and right. no mother. <laughs> True. True. Very, very. Those are my true. favorite mothers in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and there's a bunch of others as well. But uh, we'll we'll revisit it. We never close the doors on any of our discussions. So, um, but let us know what you think. Uh, if there if there are other aspects that uh, we have haven't had the time to cover, you know, let us know in the comments. But also let us know what you thought of our takes on this stuff and our discussion. Uh, again, we went into it really not knowing how we were going to talk about it, but. I enjoyed this. I thought this was a good discussion, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm I'm glad to know that it's something we could always revisit. Uh, like I said, as we get introduced to uh, more characters with uh, all the new Star Wars that's coming uh, in the future. So uh, appreciate everyone checking that out. But now we're going to uh, lighten the mood a bit here uh, by heading to our next segment of the day. Lacey, what's up? All right, guys, it's time for resistance transmissions. <laughs> So this is the part of the show where John puts up a crazy, wacky situation on Twitter and you guys give your answers. The scenario this week was pick any Star Wars character and what the title of their panel would be if they could host their own at Star Wars Celebration. Hmm. First up is Mello at A Great Jedi. Hey, Mello. How's it going? He Mello. said, Governor Sio Bibble and what a communication disruption means. <laughs> 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 can only mean one, one thing uh, next is Kevin Lewis at Zon Thrawn Zon fan and Kevin said Ponda Baba and Dr. Evazon we don't like you either Ponda and the doctor hurl insults at audience members who ask them questions it could cost someone an arm <laughs> well done Kevin that was pretty that was good oh, we don't man. like you either we don't like you either uh Next is Adam Odal at Odal Adam. Hey, Adam. He said, join Admiral Piet for his panel on how to get friends killed and influence people as he shares the secret to his quick rise in the Imperial Navy. Bonus Q&A session afterwards for tricks on how to avoid being choked to death by a superior. (laughs) (laughs) Next is Mike Ramori at Drum Jetta. Hey, Mike. He said, traps. What are they, and how do we identify them? Hosted by Admiral Akbar. <laughs> Next is Rob Bartlett at RB Seven Rads. What up, Rod? Rob, sorry, not Rod. Rod. Rob, Rob said, "Rethinking your life." That's a great thing for me right now. Uh, Rethinking your life, hosted by. I'm. I can't read this from here. Alan. Alan Slees Baga. Is it Bagano? Sleaze Bagano. Sleaze Bagano. Oh, it's the Death Sticks guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A moving tale of going home and rethinking your life. (laughs) (laughs) Next is Kyle B. at Luke's Green Saber. And Kyle said, my journey from Dengar to Rothgar, a bounty hunter's tell-all by Rothgar Dang, sharing all his ugly truths. (laughs) (laughs) 
Nice wow. is Brian Ward at Brian E. Ward. What a Brian. He said, it's Freetown now. <laughs> City planning and brand management was in Brian Weekend Park. <laughs> it's Freetown now. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I thought that that contradicted canon, but somebody pointed out they they showed like in the book in the in Life Debt, the second aftermath book, and it very specifically has a line: "It's Freetown now. We changed the name and represents the people and all that stuff." It's like I was like, "Oh man, I kind of thought that was like a an issue," but yeah, it's like it's addressed as Moss Pelgo, and he says it's Freetown now. It's Freetown now. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's such a good Unless one. Unless that was an April Fool's joke that I didn't catch on to. <laughs> uh, and last but not least is Alex Zukas at Zubaka. What up, Alex? Who said, How to Be the Bigger Fish by Jacked Fish. Oh my God. Now, how did this become the last one? <laughs> Ridiculous. Guys, thank you so much for your <laughs> comments. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at RBATSWNN and look out for the situation every week and you could be on the show back to you john top of the show we asked you to come join us on patreon and support us and if you're thinking about doing it again thank you uh but we have to give out another thank you to uh existing patrons of ours our two top tiers our generals and spice runners always get a shout out on the show and our generals are carmelo jeremy myers john reese jenna rosewater paul olson frank grande darth hurricane John Charlton, Nick Kratz, Christian Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Danny, Mike Ramori, Matt Heath, Double C Chris, Chris White, Brendan McLaughlin, and Val Trishkoff. Generals, thank you. Spice Runners, David Probus, Neil Shaw, Kendall Gellner, Ryan Wara, Dave Hornack, Micah Harrison, Thomas Hennessy, and Andrew Staley. And a great job by David Probus on your pod race this past Monday. Uh, you've all been doing such a great job. And ultimately, most importantly, thank you all for your support and uh choosing trb because you guys are all amazing star wars fans and it's an honor that you've uh, chosen to support us so thank you very much um make sure you do subscribe to the show on your preferred platforms we are free on every podcast platform in the galaxy take your pick uh i like spotify and thank you to everybody who's been rating us on there uh we're one of the top if not the top star wars podcast uh in ratings on spotify so thank you very much for that uh and Crazy. apple and such and of course youtube.com slash star wars news that video subscribe we're trying to push to eight thousand subscribers by uh celebration we'll see how that goes also twitter you know we're we're getting pretty close to ten thousand followers so if you haven't followed us there uh at rbatswnn um star wars news is where you want to go for all of your star wars news reviews editorials information and more uh you can find me uh tweeting more often about yankees baseball since baseball's back thankfully on Twitter at Johnny Hoey and writing and editing over at StarWarsNewsNet.com and my movie podcast. Just like the movies, we just put out an episode on Demolition Man, which I didn't love before, but on a rewatch, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Lacey, how about you? People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gillerin, talking about Star Wars all the time, because that's all I talk about. You're welcome. All right. Yep. James? Me? Um, I'm pretty simple. I'm the same thing that I've been saying for like five years. Twitter and Instagram at Meyer Trump. <laughs> Pink, pinky in the brain style. Exactly. The same thing we do every week, John. 
give our Twitter take over the Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We hope everyone has a great weekend. Uh, Hopefully we have more to share with you about our plans for Star Wars Celebration on our next episode. So we'll see you then right here on the Resistance broadcast. And as always, we'll see you around, kids. Mm -hmm.